Hello, and welcome to the Original Content Podcast. I'm Anthony Ha. I'm Jordan Crook. And I'm Daryl Etherington. And the reason we made Daryl introduce himself this time is because he is back at TechCrunch, and we're going to do our best to force him to participate in these discussions every week. Yes, officially back, officially here because of mandatory requirement. The best reason. (laughs) Wow. How does it feel? (laughs) Not true. I remember Uh, it differently. (laughs) (laughs) I begged. I begged to be back. Um, It feels great. It feels really good. Uh, I'm back to typing. People keep being like, why'd you do it? And I'm like, I'm only good at typing fast. And this is the only job. That rewards me for that in a reasonable way. So really happy to, to be doing it. Do you feel like you just have to occasionally take other jobs to remind yourself that other jobs are bad? Yeah, yeah, I do. I, that's I do. over, though. FYI. Yeah, yeah, that's over. I learned <laughs> everything I need to learn about all the other jobs. Uh, I know everything there is to know about um, private industry now, I guess. So I've got all that knowledge. I'll just... Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Well, the only thing we're going to do this week as a way of welcoming Daryl back is reviewing the fifth season of Black Mirror. And as usual, what we're going to do is probably do a quick spoiler-free discussion. And then um, if there are any particular episodes we want to go more in depth in, we can do that at the end. But for now, at least, you are safe to keep listening, even if you have not seen Black Mirror Season 5. Um, so Jordan, I think you were probably the one who was most excited about the show coming back. How did you feel about these episodes? Um, I felt overall positive about them. Um, I felt like, you know, I was slightly disappointed that there were only three, but apparently that's just how Black Mirror works. I don't remember it being that way, but I guess that's the thing now. Um, I thought it was a little bit more. Well, I think season four. Four? So what happened was seasons one and two, I think, were on either BBC or one of the other British channels. I don't know which one. And that was three episodes each. And then when it moved to Netflix, Netflix gave them the money to do six episodes a season, which is why three and four are longer seasons. And I think because a lot of American people sort of just caught up all at once, they didn't register that it was two seasons of, of three episodes each. Right. And then, but then because of, I think, Bandersnatch being like apparently being such a complicated writing and production job, they only did three episodes for this season, and that was a huge waste of time because what that one's dumb. I never even did it. <laughs> Wait, Bandersnatch, you didn't do? No, because I don't want to. I don't want to interact. I want this media to be delivered <laughs> to me, and I want to receive it in a passive manner. I have interactive media. It's called video games. I like that, and I know where it is, and it's over here. Over here on this side. I want the actors to do their thing and I sit back and I enjoy that. Um, yeah, I agree. I thought Bandersnatch was a total waste of time. Um, unimpressed throughout. I have video games for video games, you know? Like, I, yeah. if I want to do an interactive movie, I play Red Dead Redemption or Hitman or something. So Yeah, and I also have real life for interactive experiences. Totally. I can go, I can go well. like, interact. And those are mostly bad, so, you know. <laughs> Which is why we're yeah. bloggers. <laughs> we figured it all out. Netflix is just catching up. Um, I thought, you know, this season, I'll, I'll say that I thought if I had to rank the episodes, and this kind of surprised me, but if I had to rank the episodes, I would say I liked the first episode the most, the thir- then the third episode, and then the second episode, which is interesting because I think 
the second episode is most in tune with what Black Mirror has been. It was like more mm-hmm. thematically and tonally in keeping with, with Black Mirror. And I think episodes one and three departed from that a bit, like the tone of mm-hmm. them and kind of the the general feeling of them. Um, but I really enjoyed that. I think it was a fine season. I think episode two was most like Black Mirror, but it was like the shittiest of all the Black Mirror episodes. Like I just didn't, I felt like it was so slow. Like, oh my God, it's been 40 minutes and nothing's happened. Like I just, I was just really kind of bored with it. But overall, my impressions are great season, would love more content. Stop making Bandersnatches and make more Black Mirror episodes. Yeah, I think, I mean, my ranking order, if we're going to want to do that, is slightly different. I would go, I would go in order of airing, actually, or whatever. One, two, three. They all aired at the same time. I would go one, two, three as best, second best, worst. Um, But yeah, and I also just realized, because I have the Wikipedia page open, that Charlie Booker literally writes every single one of these things. I thought he just (laughs) created it, and then like somebody else. helps right oh no. there's there's one or two that he hidden there's yeah in past seasons like like so for example nosedive um which is the episode where like everyone rates everything <laughs> sort of uber style that was re- written by rashida jones and mike sure um what who are like uh, yeah so the team like so parks and recreation Curveball. people wrote that episode oh st- well story by and then teleplay by <laughs> according to wikipedia <laughs> Right. So this Charlie Brooker still came up with the idea or at least was involved in helping them come up with the idea. And then they actually wrote the script. I mean, Charlie, I, the lesson is that he's a psychopath. Charlie Brooker is literally like a dangerous man with all these ideas right in his head. <laughs> I think I, I don't, I'm hesitant to cast stones because I feel like I, we could any one of us could easily be. Charlie oh, well, Brooker I feel like that's more goes. offensive than what I just said. <laughs> like I'm going to completely devalue his incredible accomplishments and just say I could do that too. It's like the <laughs> like the overweight oh, dude yeah. who's watching uh, like people play basketball and he's like oh, I could do that, you know, in the NBA. And you're like, "Wait, no, you couldn't." Um yeah, I mean, I'm not trying to sh- shade Charlie Brooker to be clear. I just like the kind of creative mind that can pump out horror story after horror story that also feels so freaking real is just it's a little much. I wouldn't want to date him. Let's put it that way. Part of it for me is one of the advantages of an anthology show, ideally, at least an anthology show in this mode where it's every episode is a different story, as opposed to, I think, what we're seeing more of where it's every season, um, is that then every episode should have a very different point of view, a different story. And and certainly Black Mirror has some of that, but because the vast, vast majority of the episodes are written by one person, it doesn't necessarily have the same variety that um, the normal, like the Twilight Zone has or that the Outer Limits has. And it feels there's a certain kind of sameness about it, which for me at least means that uh, I was not excited about the fifth season because I'm just like, all right, like we kind of know what Charlie Brooker (laughs) thinks about most of these technologies. We kind of know what his writing style is. Um, and so I, I didn't feel like, oh, I need, you know, that much more of it, but I was very pleasantly surprised. These were, this was probably my favorite season of, of Black Mirror, at least since the first and second seasons. And, and I thought that, I don't know that any of these were necessarily 
home runs, but I thought there weren't any that I disliked. I, I really thought all three of them were at least um, pretty good. In, in terms of ranking, I would, I would say probably smithereens, uh, even though I know that, Jordan, you felt like it was sort of, um, and I see what you're saying in terms of like, I don't think any of the plot of, of smithereens, so the, the idea of this one is basically of this um, uh, driver for what essentially is Uber, although they call it Hitcher in the episode, uh, he kidnaps an intern for this social media company and is basically using this as a way to try to get on the phone with the CEO of this company, Billy Bauer. And I don't know that where the story goes is that surprising or interesting, but I thought the performances were good enough that I that it really, the, the ending of it hit me pretty hard. Um, I think particularly this actor, Andrew Scott, who plays the driver, I, uh, I, I just really think he's a, he's a great performer. And for that reason, it was probably my favorite. Um, and then I would say I liked one in three, which is Striking Vipers and Rachel Jack and Ashley too. I would say about even, although for very different reasons, because Striking Vipers, I think, goes into this very interesting and complicated emotional territory versus the last one, which is the Miley Cyrus episode, is mostly just fun. But it is very, very fun. And so... Also, I think, like, the Miley Cyrus episode... I mean, it's Miley Cyrus. Like, there's just... You can't, like, pretend like it's not Miley Cyrus playing a famous pop star. Like, it's kind of... And that's just fun. I really like those, like, kind of pseudo-real moments with actors and stuff. I loved, just like I loved Keanu Reeves playing Keanu Reeves in Always Be My Maybe. I really liked watching Miley Cyrus play like a tortured pop star. Um, But I will say that like the, if it wasn't Miley Cyrus playing that role, I don't know how I would feel as much about that episode. Like, I don't know if I'd like it as much as I did. I think that was like a big part of it, to be honest. Whereas like episode one, I thought was just really well constructed and interesting and kind of always had these weird curves coming. Um, and then with, with the second episode, what was that one called? Smithereens? Smithereens. Yeah. Like I felt like Smithereens was, um, not only was it slow, but the problem that I think that I had with it was it was a, it took a long time for us to understand what exactly was going on in that episode and what, what he was upset about and why all of this was happening. And when, you know, in my opinion, when you do that, if you're going to make me wait, you know, 35 minutes for, you know, to learn what the hell's going on, what the hell's going on better be pretty freaking interesting. And, you know, it just felt like kind of, okay, well, that's pretty straightforward. You know, like it didn't feel like a very complicated or layered reveal. Not to say that, you know, it's not an important issue because I think it is, but that's it. You know, it wasn't like something that was very titillating. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's not surprising. I think it's, it, I thought it was dramatically interesting and, and sort of how people reacted to, to what he wanted, I thought was interesting. But I agree that when you find out, you're like, all right, sure. It, it's not like, oh, like all the pieces fit together or anything like that. Yeah, that one didn't flip. Like the number, what Striking Vipers, like when they have their... Yeah, why don't we like start compartmentalizing a little bit? Do we want to... Yeah, yeah, I think so let's start good. with Striking Vipers. What were you going to say, Daryl? Oh, like when they have its flip moment, it's like amazing, right? Like I, I was watching and uh, I was watching with 
Tara, my girlfriend, and we were both like, "Oh, what? What? Like what? When the without giving it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We know what you're talking about. Trust me. (laughs) Yeah. And then, and in Smithereens, there was not that. Like, so just to uh, mix the tracks a little bit, but like it didn't have that same moment. But it, uh, I, I agree with Anthony that like the that one was really great because of the acting. They all had really good acting, but. I really do like that um, lead guy, Andrew Scott. Is that who it is? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. In Smithereens. Yeah. Yeah. In Smithereens. But like Anthony Mackie, also amazing. But, in, you know, tons of great actors in this in this whole set. Okay. So let's talk about what is it, Striking Vipers? So mm-hmm. it's interesting yeah. that you bring up like the the shock factor of of that big twist in in that episode i guess it's not even twist it's really like the the catalyst right um but Mm -hmm. it was weird because um as i was watching that scene i kind of felt it coming but like couldn't bring myself to believe it you know what i mean like the tension's building there and it's building and i'm like that kind of I could see it happening, but then I'm like, no, 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 it couldn't. It couldn't happen. Like, they're not, that's not what this episode's about. It can't be. And then it happens, and you're like, whoa, they went for it. And I feel uncomfortable. Like, it was just, it was, it was <laughs> weird that it was not, I, I don't want to call it predictable because it's not predictable at all, but it was like, you, f- whatever you're, wh- whatever they were feeling in terms of like, that tension like it was palpable right like i felt it too and was like that could it could happen like they're kind of getting into that zone a little bit and then it happens and you're like oh wow um so i just thought and i thought also it's worth noting that like i hope do you think it's a spoiler if i say the general sentiment of the ending of an episode um i i think that's fine i mean i think i think we you know in general like if you don't want to know anything then you shouldn't listen to a review but I think we can talk in general terms about sort of the direction. I liked that that one, I felt like that had a lot of potential to like get worse and worse and worse, right? Like for just many, many lives to be ruined in that one. And I liked that it ended on what I believe to be a pretty positive note, you know? Um, I, I liked that. I, I appreciate a Black Mirror episode that doesn't have to end with you wanting to vomit. You know what I mean? Like... Mm-hmm. I appreciated that even though it's kind of tonally different sometimes like there's something really nice about putting on an episode of black mirror and feeling yourself sink into the ground and have filled with despair. Like I I'm all for <laughs> art eliciting emotion, right? Like I'm not one of those people who's like, Oh, I just want my TV to make me feel better. You know, like I I'm all for it, but it is nice every once in a while for black mirror to kind of be like, it could work out everything and everyone might win in the end you know it's like oh cool that's nice um what did you guys think of of striking vipers there's a lot to unpack in this episode i feel like yeah i mean i it was great it was my favorite one of the series um i thought uh yeah it's the i the, the the change for me was like oh yeah like this in retrospect it was like oh like that that is a great send up and it's like also probably something you, sh- you should have seen coming in terms of a reflection on uh i don't know bro gamer culture or something but oh i'm not sure um, i follow what you just said at all no i like 
it's going to be hard. We might have to circle back. Yeah, I, I'm wondering. I'm wondering if actually we should move, move into, into spoilers spoiler. fairly soon, just because I think. I mean, particularly striking vipers is um is sort of the I think the one that has the most surprises in it. Um, so I mean, if we want to talk about the other episodes, we also can, why don't we go? Um, but I also just general for okay. other episodes, and then we can quickly ish move into spoilers because to be truthful with you, audience, it's pretty hard to talk about Black Mirror spoiler free. It's just like. It's not even a full season, so you can't. It's one episode, one story. It's really hard to do that. So maybe we should do that. Are you guys down for that? Yeah. Yeah, general stuff. So then I guess episode two, we kind of talked about it. It's the most Black Mirror-y. What's that one called? Smithereens. Sorry, I can't remember titles or names. Um, Anything really. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I can never remember character names. That's the thing I always have a hard time with is I'm always just calling people. Oh, I have no problem with character names. I'm so much more invested in who they are as characters than actors. (laughs) So I'm like, I know know everyone's (laughs) name on Game of Thrones throughout, even though they all look relatively similar. Um, But yeah, I thought thought Smithereens, there were a couple of interesting bits to it. I mean, one, I feel like it's as close to like our real world that we live in right now than either of the other episodes. Like it's far more grounded in reality. Um, it had things like, you know, like an Uber, it had things like a Facebook, right? Like some similar entities. Um, and the acting I agree was phenomenal in that episode. Um, but Mm -hmm. my issue with it was, like I said, it was just, it felt really slow for something that was kind of obvious. Like I almost feel like it wasn't worth saving that as a reveal. It could have been just as good to kind of know his motivations throughout in fact i might have felt more more like uh invested in the episode had i known throughout like why he was doing what he was doing it's hard to say that in retrospect because you never know but what did you guys think smithereens wise yeah i think uh i think that's a fair criticism because it yeah it was it wasn't like i i don't think central to the thing to have that be held back from the audience like the this, the motivation, I guess, but I think they made up for it by making the rest, like the the whole trip, entertaining. Because like um, everything else that was going on it, with sort of the main character's plan was it was very funny and also very just like interesting, right? With the different like kinks mm-hmm. in the plan and whatever. Um, so I was less concerned about kind of like the why and what's going on like it didn't feel like it's like whole purpose for being was to do that like the the trip to get there was also entertaining as opposed to some where it's like oh the big the big thing that's hiding is this whole this shiny thing that you you need to be watching for and you need to be waiting for and anticipating and uh that's basically the whole purpose of what we're doing right it's all set up for this reveal and i didn't feel like that with this episode so i was less concerned about um them holding that back because it was like ultimately oh this is just an entertaining piece of television i think part of the issue i had with it too is that black mirror has been really good at like ambiguous characters and particularly they're really good at making you think you're on a character's side and then finding out they're awful piece of shit you know, I the one that comes to mind is the the teenage boy who's getting blackmailed for masturbating or whatever. And you, right, which in some ways is the most similar. Yeah, and you find one. out later that you know he's trash. Um, 
and so you've been empathizing with him the whole episode, worried about him getting caught for this seemingly benign kind of universal thing. And then you find out like, no, no, it's not that benign at all. Um, and I thought they did such a good job with that. And it's almost like this one kind of was similar in a way um, where you don't know what, where you stand with this main character, really. Do you empathize with him or not? He's acting erratically, but he seems like a normal-ish nice guy. And it's kind of confusing. And I just feel like this wasn't executed as well as they've done that in the past, where you like don't really quite get your main character. And then you do. I just felt like this wasn't as as great as it as it's been before in that regard i actually felt like the surprise is more that it's not (laughs) the fact that there isn't that big surprise and instead you're just like oh okay like he seems like this good person doing a bad thing and and again without getting too much into details i think that's a fair characterization and if there's any surprise it's maybe more about the surrounding characters and um and and sort of in general, but I agree that there's not that sort of big twist moment. And I actually liked that in a way um, that, that, um, that episode that you're talking about, shut up and dance. Um, I, I didn't like the sort of big surprise at the end about the character. I thought that that sort of, it, it made it a less emotionally satisfying for me. So the fact that it was like, Oh, I got to know this person over the course of an hour. And most of what I knew there was sort of, I agree that there's a little bit of, clumsiness in the sense that they're trying to build up to this reveal and the reveal isn't really much of a reveal but the fact that I just got to spend an hour with this person and see his pain I liked that and it felt like I knew him and and understood him by the end of the episode and for that reason uh, I liked it I also think it's interesting you know talking about the comparison between with striking vipers because that to me was um the the slower episode and 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 wait you think striping vipers was slower yes for me um it's much more it was much more about emotional complications so it definitely lots happens and it's people sort of coming to understand their feelings whereas smithereens is just much more plot right it's just Mm -hmm. okay this guy gets kidnapped and then there's this complication to the kidnapping and then this complication to the kidnapping and this complication to the kidnapping yeah and so the way they build momentum is very different and i think in some ways, like Smithereens is a much more traditional kind of story. And and so I, I totally get why Striking Vipers would be more compelling to to you guys. But in I think the traditional structure works for me. Yeah, if you were to write it out without getting into any of the like details, like just strictly blocking the action of each scene, like the uh, Smithereens has a lot more going on, right? For, versus like person goes in house. Yeah, yeah. Person, like it's like oh this guy there's like a lot yeah, more right. action writing there's um, a lot more you know just kind of like pieces to the, the puzzle maybe i guess i will say that smithereens yeah. really picked up steam as soon as topher grace came on on screen he, yeah yeah i mean so he plays too. that role wonderfully um and i just i really i i feel like i kind of perked up a little bit once that once that ball got rolling and those those conversations started happening. I felt like it had picked up some steam a little bit, but I just I did I really struggled for the first like twenty or so minutes of that that episode. I was just like, "What are we doing, man?" Like you know, I just mm. and it does take a while even to get to the kidnapping. There's roughly I don't know like ten or fifteen minutes before the kidnapping starts, and so you're just following this character who you don't really understand, and in these somewhat different 
circle, you know, these, these like un, almost unconnected scenes where he just is sad in a bunch of different circumstances. So I can understand that it kind of yeah didn't quite pull you in. And of course, that. you know, I'm trying to put all the pieces together because that's what happens when you want, it's like almost like being a detective watching a Black Mirror episode. You're like, what is this going to mean? What This piece is important, but where does it fit in? And it was just like, it felt really kind of disjointed and confusing and, but also slow in the beginning. So I was just like, I don't know. I'm locking this stuff away to figure out what it means later, but like, I'm not really interested in it right now, you know? Yeah. And and there was pieces of it that uh, are set up. Like some of the stuff was, well, this is where, I don't know. We probably want to save it until we get into spoilers actually. Okay. Well then let's go to three. Yes. Rachel, Jack and Ashley. This is the one with Miley Cyrus. Um, I'll say that like the tech piece of this one didn't feel as, and this happens sometimes with Black Mirror, but sometimes like the tech storyline or the tech plot line feels really like it makes like very realistic, very grounded. And it could be like two to three years from now. And that makes it all the more kind of scary and crazy. And I just felt. Yeah. Smithereens is a good example. Like that could be today. Exactly. Well, I think actually in Smithereens, it even says 2019. Yeah. Yeah. 2018, like last year, like it was, it was not set necessarily. Almost all of them are set in the quote near future. Um, And this one, then Smithereens wasn't, this one was clearly set in the quote near future or far future. I don't really know. Um, But it, you know, the tech piece wasn't super compelling to me i mean it was it just felt like a little bit too i don't want to say too far out because it's not like necessarily impossible nothing is impossible but um you know it it that part wasn't as interesting to me as miley cyrus's performance as this this pop star and kind of how she played it you know on on and off screen that's a weird way to put it but you know for the public versus her little private life. Um, and I thought the acting in it was great. And I appreciated, again, I think it ends on a relatively positive note. Um, yeah, I would describe the tech piece as mushy. Yeah. I think that's how I would sum up like <laughs> that's fair. what you're getting at. Yeah, that's a great, great way to put it. I think in general, when Black Mirror does episodes that are about consciousness and sort of the you know, uploading of consciousness into technology, it always feels a little bit like fantasy to me. I mean, USS Callister to me was the one where it felt the most like that, where it was just like, we have your lipstick and therefore we can recreate everything about you, including your memories. And I was like, um, can you, is that how that works? And it's, you know, and you just sort of go within, I think there are other episodes like um, Black Museum, where again, you're kind of like, I don't know if I really think you can like recreate an entire person. Like it feels very... they're like very casual about the idea of like oh we have these like little devices that have entire human brains on them um and and so that comes up again in this episode and and they're very cavalier about the fact that that um that that you know consciousness can be completely reproduced um on a computer and it worked actually better for me here because the whole episode is such a romp that it didn't that it, it basically works like magic and I was fine with it. I was like, okay, like I don't think this actually has anything interesting to say about consciousness and technology, but that is fine. It's just the thing that enables the the, the plot to roll along. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think also there's like a little bit of sloppiness with regards to the tech, which I think um, is 
in keeping with what you were saying, Anthony, I don't think that was like the focus necessarily of the episode is like how this tech works and what will happen on a grand scale with it. It was really like insular and the small one story of, of this technology. But there was a scene where they're trying to make a change in, in the code of the technology. <laughs> like the screen, it like <laughs> yeah. looks like a kindergartner's drawing. Like it, like they didn't, it's like, it's like a coloring book is on the screen and they put, exactly a, they what put you a big mean. X on the screen and then that's fixed the code, you know? And it's like, just for something as complicated as what they're trying to explain, the fact that someone like pressed a delete button and that fixed it is just, so weird to me, you know, like that, that, that felt really, really lazy and sloppy. Um, but I did, I, I, I enjoyed the episode. I had fun watching it. Yeah. I, I also thought it was fun, but I did, I found, um, I found that for sure. Like that part was h- hilarious in like, it's like, what, what are they, what do they think they're doing? <laughs> okay. But then also the, I, I actually didn't, love miley cyrus's performance um particularly uh in her second character role i want to say without giving anything away too um, much. Mm-hmm. i think i know what you mean by that yeah uh and that's interesting because i actually liked her more as as the sort of the other performances that we see rather than as her primary character her primary character was fine but the other stuff i thought was was more fun yeah, well, there, it felt like, um, like you know, if she <clears throat> was behaving that way as her original character, it would have been overacting. But I think it was, like, just right, given the situation. I'm trying to say this without <laughs> spoilers. <laughs> given the situation, I thought it worked well, because that, that needs to be slightly over over-animated. Um, and... You know, it wasn't, I don't think it hit me in the gut the same way that um, the first episode for for sure did. Um, and it wasn't quite as intense or dark as the second episode. So it kind of felt fluffy for Black Mirror. But like you said, it was almost like, um, like a summer blockbuster type feel. Like it was just, it was just good old fashioned fun kind of thing you know what i mean yeah it was like uh bumblebee that's like the transformers <laughs> yeah i didn't see that shockingly but oh it's a great movie you should watch yeah, it yeah. it's a pretty good movie but compared to every other transformers <laughs> movie it is a masterpiece yeah. yes yeah. uh well maybe we should move into spoilers then because I, I think there's at least a little bit to talk about with with some of these Let's episodes see. um yes so Again, if you have not seen season five of Black Mirror, you should stop listening now. It sounds like we all recommend it. And otherwise, let's dive in. Um, do you guys want to go back to Striking Vipers, or should we just keep talking about Miley Cyrus? Yeah, let's do reverse order now. Oh. All right. Because um, <laughs> I, I wanted to say one of my favorite things, and it's such a stupid thing about this episode, was w- realizing, like thinking like, wow, this music, sounds a lot like that's Nine Inch Nails song, Head Like a Hole. And, and then uh, having that, com- realizing, oh no, he it really, really just took Head Like a Hole and just like put some pop lyrics to it. Yeah. And, and made it sound poppier. And then at the end, you actually see her perform Head Like a Hole. And it was so satisfying. Um, 
I didn't even realize that until None just now. I didn't realize no idea. the pop version. <laughs> yeah. I knew the other, like the end part, but I didn't know the pop version was that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's the same song, like the, the, her main hit and then what she sings at the end. Both are, are basically the same song, just with different lyrics. And, you know, obviously a slightly different arrangement. Uh, wait a minute. So the music's different. The lyrics are different. No, I mean, the, it's the same rough melody. It, it has the same rough melody of like, it, there's like a part where it like, it like there's a part in head like a whole where it's like bow down before the one you serve. And then if you listen to the pop song, there's another part that is like the exact same thing, but just, you know, like different words, but this exact same cadence and like line length and everything. Oh, okay. I like that song also, the pop song. I was, I was, I like it. hated it at first. It's one of those things, the, the music, it's kind of like regular pop music where the first time you hear it, you're like, oh, I fucking hate this song. Turn it off, you know? And then the second time you hear it, you're like, damn it, the radio's playing it again. And the third time you hear it, you're like bopping along. And then, you know, by the time that you're, you know, a couple days goes by and it's the only thing that's in your head. That's what that song felt like to me. I was just like, get this trash off my television. And then by the end, I was like singing it, you know? So it, it, which I think is part of the, the point, right? Like that's part of, that's one of the things that was done more subtly, which is like pop music is, like a psychological experiment in a lot of ways. It's like, what what chords can we get to make people feel this way? What cadence can we get to make people get up and move? Like, how do we kind of get this embedded in someone's brain, this song? Um, and I felt like they did a good job of that because that's how it felt for me. I didn't even like that song and it got stuck in my head. I mean, I think I was worried when I found out that Miley Cyrus was going to be in the show um, that, you know, you just, and given that, you know, Charlie Brooker is, you know, this sort of cynical middle-aged white guy, like I thought it was going to be this very anti-pop music episode. And it wasn't that, I mean, you can sort of see that there's like a subtext of that where she wants to break out of her role as a pop star and her <laughs> aunt goes to great lengths to, to stop her from doing that. But it's never this thing of like, oh, all the movie, all the music she's making before was stupid and everyone is stupid for liking her. It's more just like, oh, like, you know, as a musician, she wanted to move and move on and do something else. Um, and, and I thought that was, you know, nice that it didn't sort of hit you over the head with the idea that, oh, this is all stupid. Um, the, the one thing I did think was a little, I, I didn't know if I totally believed was the idea of the older sister being really into 80s and 90s grunge. Mm. They, they sort of, they create a reason for it, basically being that her mom was into it, but it felt like this, you know, like they sort of took the dynamic of like a 90s high school movie where, you know, one person is into grunge and one person is into pop music and they just brought it into the future without necessarily changing it that much. Yeah. And they also made it like, uh, yeah, that one felt like maybe, oh, this is Charlie Brooker's experience showing through without kind of adaptation to a modern setting. Um, but they also, I, I mean, I didn't like that they did that. And then I didn't like that at the end they were like, and now she's doing the guitar for <laughs> the band. Uh, right, it's just full-fledged fantasy at that point. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I didn't really like the whole plot line with the, with, the, with the other girls, with the sisters. So generally, we should probably... So the, the general plot of... What's the name of this one? Jack, Harry, and... Rachel, Jack, and yeah, Ashley, too. Um, I don't get that. Is that their names? <laughs> Oh those yeah, are, those are their names. Yes, okay, great. those are their names. I get it. Uh, and Ashley too is the name of the robot. Oh yes, Rachel. So Miley Cyrus plays 
what's her name? Rachel too? Emily? Ashley. Ashley. Jesus Christ. Ashley and Ashley, Ashley. too. So she plays Ashley O and a- Ashley O, who's the, the pop star, and then Ashley Two, who's the robot who has the imprinted consciousness right, of Ashley yes. O. And Ashley O's manager is her aunt, who pretends to care about her, but really just cares about using her and making money off of her. And then Rachel is a little girl who loves Ashley O and wants the robot and gets the robot and it becomes her only friend, it seems, which is just so sad. Um and Jack is her sister. And then you find out that Ashley O goes into a coma and her robot essentially takes on her full consciousness. This is the scene we were talking about. It had a limiter on it, like a consciousness personality limiter that only put the happy go lucky pop star version of Ashley O in the, in the robot. And then these girls go down into the basement where their dad's making like a humane mousetrap, which I thought was a nice touch. Um, yeah, that was good. I like that. It, the problem is the tech looked so like old. It looked like a little wind-up toy. Like he's sitting there with like twenty supercomputers and a little piece of plastic, and it just like confused <laughs> me a little bit. But um, hey, but you don't don't over-engineer. Just just build the solution. Yeah, you need keep it simple for the stupid. problem you're trying to solve. Uh, yeah, but do build a brain control computer that also <laughs> yeah. has a limiter right. deleter on it. <laughs> Like if you can, if you have the ability to separate just the the pop star part of her personality, why wouldn't you just install that part on the computer? Why do you like if she's like I'm, I can only use four percent of my brain, so like the whole rest of it is like this ninety six percent that's supposed to be completely walled off. And I, I assume they would say, well, the, just because of the way the brain works, they had to install the whole thing. But I don't really believe that, and that seems very silly to me. No, because then how would you then isolate, like, firewall the rest in a way that made it still affect? Like, it's, it boggles yeah, the mind, like, what process they went through. Uh, yeah, obviously, it makes no sense. But you imagine them, the, like, like the, the frontline engineer sitting there going, like, well, I can't really deliver what they need me to deliver, but I can just copy and dump the entire brain. Uh, and then write some code to kind of like make it stupider and that's my workaround like it's it's crazy right well and then that Uh, limiter (laughs) appears on the computer they like plug in this robot and the screen comes up and there's a picture of a brain and then there's like a little circle on a part of the brain and these two like 13 year old girls are like Let's uh, just click on that circle the one, <laughs> and then we could just delete it. The one who plugs it in is like, I don't know what I'm like. They're like, there's not even, they didn't even attempt to set up like, oh, they've, they're familiar with computer systems. It was like, I don't know, put the cable in here. I don't know what I'm doing <laughs> and click around. And then like, why is this circle here? Delete, delete. And then it, it, it's absolutely yeah. absurd. It just totally bothers. Yeah. It, it, it feels like, I mean, there was a period in the, like the 90s and maybe early aughts before, you know, everyone had the internet and like kind of where people were sort of imagining what computers and hacking were like. And so it would just be somebody sitting at a computer, like randomly bashing away at the keys. And they created these graphics that obviously had no relationship to how any real computer interface looked like at the time. And you were just like, all right, here's the hacking scene, whatever. And that that's kind yeah. of how this felt. Is this like a, that's like a weird science type thing where they were just like, oh, we typed into a computer and we made a full woman. (laughs) Yeah. Or like the computer stuff in Jurassic Park. For some reason, I was thinking that. Uh, Or the movie Hackers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
Also, just before we get too far from the name thing, because like it reminded me every okay. time they were doing Ashley O, I could, I had, I, it was Ashley Angel yes. from O Town. Me the too. Dude, that's so weird. I <laughs> kept thinking the same thing. I was like, why do I know an Ashley O? O Town. Oh, there was an Ashley in O Town. It was like every single time yeah. I had to go through that same little puzzle. So that's interesting. Um, well. It's a deep cut for people who don't know O-Town. Everybody should know O-Town. I know Anthony does. So anyways, they delete the limiter in the very technical way that they do. And then Ashley 2 like, comes to life essentially as like the real Ashley. And it's like, yeah, my aunt's a bitch. She poisoned me. We've got to save my life and all of this stuff. This is where for me it was if it's too much Miley. It was like, oh, I'm fucking Miley now. <laughs> I mean, it was silly, but it was fun. And I think just, yeah, just seeing. I've also vacillated like, strongly fun. about Miley Cyrus in general and have come to a point in the last year or so where I, I, I really like her. I think she, like, at the very least, she is aware of, and this is about Miley Cyrus, not the character she's playing, but I think Miley has kind of gone through her like wild phase which i don't have any judgment for to each their own but she like came out of that being like yeah i like did stupid shit before and like i'm trying to be less stupid and she's like pretty upfront and honest about that and also just very um authentic about like what she thinks and believes in at least from what i've seen in like you know interviews and stuff like that so i like i'm okay with miley cyrus being miley cyrus like it might not be for everyone but like she can go and speak her mind and i'm i'm cool with that and that felt a little bit i i like hear what you're saying it was like very much like her tone and her kind of humor was like coming out um when she was the little crazy robot um and then there's the whole piece about like her aunt creating and this i think is important like her aunt essentially put her in a coma like poisoned her put her in a coma and then was using her like brain waves to write new music and create like a holographic Mm -hmm. version of her that was going to go on tour and they're at this big reveal event and these people are going crazy for this like holographic ashley o while the real ashley o is in a coma and like i think that maybe is part of what charlie was trying to do with this episode is like the idea of i'm kind of sickened by the way we treat celebrities like that's not to say that they shouldn't be appreciated and it's not to say that we can't enjoy their art or even be fans but like the level of kind of like craze and hype and frenzy that happens when um you know, let's say like a celebrity walks out on a late night show, like the sound of the crowd, you know, and just that whole, it it kind of is a little bit sickening too. You know what I mean? Like the, the people burst into tears when they see their favorite star, you know, it's just, it's a little creepy and weird. And the fact that they are willing to kind of like take that over the health or humanity of the actual person the flawed human individual that is the celebrity like just is creepy to me that was like the creepiest part yeah i I think that was good i think that was where this one was strong was like that was an effective reduction of a artist like they were just like oh yeah 
we really literally turn them into just kind of a hit factory, like an inert passive hit factory that we can mine, strip mine in the most like kind of like basic or not basic, but like uh-huh. cynical way. Right. So that was good. But I do feel like the, the actually, again, this is another one where I didn't love the, the fuzzy or the soft mushy tech stuff in this one. Cause they did the like, Oh yeah, here's my brain. I've got my board. Oh, I'll dial up. And it was like, why why even bother at that point? Like, you're what are you doing? Oh, I'm dialing up the optimism. It's like, no, you're just <laughs> you're just generating something from something totally different. Like any input source material, given I accept that your stupid machine board can do this thing, would produce whatever result you want, right? So like, what's the point of having her brain hooked up to anything. So that was where I kind of like, again, felt like the tech part was detracting from like um, the main point. Not to mention just like the general design of the robot to me just didn't feel like very futuristic at all. Like if you have, if we're so far in the future that you can like upload someone's brain into a robot, like you'd think the robot would look cooler than it did. (laughs) Yeah, It did look like that robot that was canceled last year exactly yeah it's like and i feel like that's always an issue with black mirror there's always like i don't feel like there's ever been a time where the tech really felt like super super realistic like there's always like one little mistake or like you know i also have a box full of wires in the attic and it's like we're in the future but you still everything needs to be wired you know like it's just like i don't know there's always a little flaw in the matrix there but this was this felt like egregious it's a mix of like wanting things to feel real and grounded and as if they're extrapolating from real world technology and then sometimes they also have um you know crazy fantasy technology in the same episode and and trying and like mixing the two in that way feel can be like really confusing and 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 feel hard to believe. And then also you know in Black Museum when they're like, oh, and then all this technology exists in the same universe and was created by one company and has mostly been taken off the market. I was like, yeah, it's like that Angel episode. Do you remember? And they have like the technology to mm-hmm. like chip yeah. your children, but she also is like driving around in like a 1990s van, and it's like I don't how is this a thing? You know, like, let's pick one or the other. I don't know. Although I would, I mean, it's, I think one thing that is true is that, you know, any time period is a mix of different levels of technology. You said the same thing when we talked about Archangel. And it's a fair point. It's a fair point. It's a fair point. Like it's all on a, everything's in transition, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, But I agree that in this episode, it feels sort of surprising. of like, yeah, why, why is it that this robot like is, in some ways so insanely advanced and in other ways, you know, it can't open doors or climb down off tables. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and the arms are also like as long mm. as the body, which I mean, like that's just, those are all design choices or whatever, but. But it was cute. It was cute. It was cute. It was fine. Um, anyway, the end of the episode, they save, they save Miley. She tried to kill herself. That's what the robot really wanted to do was just to end it her like human body. Right. right. And then that woke her up in a magic because way. Because in reality that machinery <laughs> was actually keeping her in a coma, not keeping her alive. And so she just popped up and they drove to the 
the stadium or whatever. And Miley Cyrus was like, yo, I'm here. And that was the episode. And then they played Nine Inch Nails together. <laughs> yeah, at a cool Super club. cool club. So anyways, that was the episode. It was fine. Yeah. I had a good time. Yeah. Yeah, it was a good time. It was like a, the easiest to watch of many Black it was Bears. It was light. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It was like an easy, easy listening music, which isn't normally the case for Black Mirror. You know what I mean? But like, doesn't that seem weird? Like, that's crazy when you think about, like, oh, when you describe, like, you said it in words, like, oh, yeah, her aunt uh, poisons her to put her into a coma to maintain her on life support and extract uh, songs from her against her. Like, it's like, oh, if you say those in words, how is this the light popcorn one, but then it really was like, it didn't feel overly dire. I think part of the reason it was the light popcorn one was because the, the, the side plot. Cause you start with these two separate stories. You start with Ashley. O dealing with her aunt and you start with these two sisters who have lost their mom. And I felt like the two sister plot was like, so teeny bopper. Like there was literally nothing in it that was like, I mean, it's heavy that they lost their mom and stuff, but like, I don't know that that happens in rom-coms too. You know what I mean? That doesn't necessarily make it heavy. And they were just, I mean, she's trying to learn how to dance and talking to her about makeup. And it was just like, it kind of, I kept wanting to go back to Miley and the aunt, you know what I mean? Like that, I was like, that's where the plot moves forward. That's where like the juicy stuff happens. That's where like tension is built. Like, let's keep, let's stay with them, you know? And they kept coming back to these, these sisters and i was just like i don't really care what happens to these sisters you know so smithereens yes uh i want to go back to how good Topher grace was and not only was he as like i had by the time we got to him i had forgotten that he was in the episode and so when they're like i'm like oh like are they actually going to show billy bauer and and then you see Topher grace's face and he says oh fuck and i was yeah i was very happy it was a very good intro for a character yeah and i I think they they nailed that idea i mean i don't again i don't claim to actually know the inner you know the inner life of jack dorsey or mark zuckerberg but i I thought it was like this very compelling character of that he means well he genuinely means well and wants to do good but none of that matters like in the end he can't save him and and that like he's also kind of shitty in other ways but that fundamentally he's not like a villain he's just this kind of shitty likes to think well of himself, you know, tech billionaire. Well, I think that's true. I th- but I think, like, and maybe it's just how Topher played it, but I think he was more sympathetic than I find the real-life equivalent yeah. to be. Like, I don't give them the credit that they're as much of a, whatever, quote-unquote, normal guy as kind of like Topher was in that, with, like, the right um, motivations and just kind of, like, uh, but still... Uh, a human that's that's recognizable as a human trying to do his best versus i feel like everything i know about some of these folks is like they do get to a point where they're like fundamentally disconnected in a way that is not relatable um which uh, is again not their fault because like they're billionaires it's hard to be a billionaire not hard to be a billionaire but it's hard to be a billionaire and be normal like no billionaire is normal yes well but yeah. like that's the thing that i found i i agree with you 100 percent, daryl is like it felt like the topher grace character didn't change but that he got like swept into something like that's the vibe that i got and i think it, at one point he even says like 
I don't want this, you know, just like things built momentum built. And then like, you know, it got away from me where, you know, like it got, I lost kind of control of it. Whereas like, I feel like the real life counterparts, it didn't, they didn't get swept away with it. They, they changed. Like if they were good people before they changed and their motivations changed and anything to the contrary is PR and not, whereas like this guy, he felt like he hadn't really changed, you know, maybe a surface level he had changed. He's out like meditating in some little glass box in the desert, which is very tech billionaire, but yeah, super, super Dorsey, but his heart hadn't necessarily changed. Whereas like, I think that the hearts of the real life counterparts have changed. If if they were yeah, good to begin I, with, which is unclear, I think it's also like it, painting with a broad brush to say, like there he's not like I'm sure he's an accurate reflection of some like some subcategory. Um, I don't know if I can come up with any examples. Maybe Matt Mullenweg. I don't know, but like, like Mullenweg isn't destroying the world with WordPress. Yeah, yeah, sure. Butterfield's probably Butterfield's like a very grounded feeling person. You know what I mean? He's weird too. He's always been weird, but like. Not yeah. in a way that feels yeah. dangerous. Relatable. Yeah, human. yeah. 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 So I think I, but I, I mean, I loved it. I love the character. I love the way they played it. I like that. I like the overall concept, like t- take away the individual and the, the like thought of like this thing that was created, uh, gained its own momentum and kind of spiraled and snowballed out of control. Right. Like that remains true, regardless of the people who are, um guiding it right like there's no way uh, that the the people who built um you know, facebook or twitter or whatever like saw all of the impacts coming in terms of like actual horrible things that have happened or been broadcast or whatever on those platforms coming and then accepted that that's i agree right so I think that part of it was good. And and again, we talked about it earlier, but like the fact that the setting was not even present, but last year, it's like, yeah, this isn't a, this isn't a, a fantasy story. This is a story that probably has happened. Something similar, something that resembles this uh, totally feasibly could have happened or has happened. Or, you know, we've heard about similar things in, in actual news reports. So that I really liked about it. Um, and some of yeah. the details in this episode were just so, I mean, we've talked about Topher's character being spot on, but there were even smaller things that were really poignant and felt very true and authentic. Like, um, so, so plot wise, just to catch everyone up, this is the one where the, the guy kidnaps an intern from a company called Smithereens, which is supposed to be like a Facebook, I think. and he takes him hostage so that he can have a conversation with the CEO of Smithereens. And when he takes him hostage, he's wearing a suit and he's carrying a briefcase and he's talking on the phone about how he's flying out to San Francisco from London. So this guy, you know, captures him and takes him out. And the kid, the kid says, I'm just an intern. Like nobody's going to pay any ransom for me. Like nobody cares about me. And the guy's like, why the fuck are all of you? You know, there's executives coming out dressed in hoodies. And then I have you in a suit. Like, I don't know who the hell's in charge. There's no hierarchy. Like, you know, he's just like so frustrated at the fact that he can't tell who's in (laughs) charge at these startups. And I just thought that was so funny. And, and like, just these are like little things that aren't necessary necessarily for the show to go on, 
but the fact that they take the time to like throw those lines in and those scenes in, I feel like are, are really good. Um, there was another one too. There's another like little, very realistic moment that is slipping my mind right now. Oh, it's when what, it's when the the he's when Topher Grace is finally on the phone with with the main character or whatever our protagonist, and his PR comms you know strat team is sending him talking points on the computer. Oh yeah, and and Topher Grace is trying to use these talking points to defuse the situation. And the guy is like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, this isn't, can you just talk to me like a human being? And Topher Grace is like, I'm sorry, it's my team. They're just sending me these stupid fucking talking points. Like, and he shuts the computer. Those felt like they're really good little details that make a difference. I think. That was good. That was another part where, where it's like, that's where it diverged with reality in a way that was positive, right? In a way where it's like, I wish that was the way the actual world worked. But what you get in the real world is Zuckerberg on the podcast with Kara Swisher sticking to the line of like, um, we recognize that we have a lot of whatever what what was the word but he had like there was a we there was never it's never i it's never responsibility i'm sorry for how you feel yeah, yeah, we're yeah, sorry yeah. for how we made you feel we're not sorry for what we did you know it's like yeah it, it, they always stick to the talking points and we know right yeah. and there's no never an admission of guilt yeah so this was a bit like i mean i think that's what was effective about this was that it was a bit of a um like split uh, fantasy realization of like i it'd be great if there was this person who had this realization and this uh honest talk like you know like this ability to to draw aside the curtain and like actually get on the phone and actually talk to people and actually say like oh yeah yeah like it's all fucked up i don't know what i've had like on. actual like very vivid dreams of mark zuckerberg stepping to a podium and saying i'm sorry that i got donald trump elected like, you know what I mean? Like, it's so much a real fan, like a fantasy. Do you know the idea that, like, anyone in that world would, or I guess our world, would take responsibility for what they do? So it was, it was like a moment where you're like, yeah, shut the computer, talk to him like a human, you know, it's like really like awakened something. I will say the one thing that also made it feel realistic in a shitty way was that he, because he's, the boss is that he also fundamentally wasn't interested in anyone else's input. And there was this feeling of, Oh, like I can fix this. Yeah. I'm a genius. I'm the creator. And like when the FBI is like, do not get on the phone with this person. And he's like, no, I'm going to do it. Let's hang up on the FBI and I'm going to get on the phone. And like where he probably thinks he's doing the right thing. But at the same time, he's so used to listening only to himself and trusting his own instincts. And that felt very, real to me in terms of my sense of both the billionaire entrepreneurs and and sort of tech entrepreneurs not to mention all the yes men around him who like only feign to disagree with him only to then hang up on the fbi when he says so you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. do you really think we should hang up on the fbi hang up on the fbi okay hang up on the fbi you know it's like that felt very (laughs) sadly uh realistic too and i loved the the bit where like you know you've got multiple international agencies trying to figure out what the hell's going on and who this guy is and what is what he wants and 
smithereens the company has known for hours at this point you know they're like oh we have his full history we know what what he likes and what he doesn't like and like we're listening to his conversation as we speak you know and it's just like that felt very scary realistic as well where like just imagine i mean not to like wade into the whole like private public you know human rights surveillance issue but like just imagine what would happen if the actual police and stuff had the same resources probably a lot a lot fewer far what, what what am i trying to say far fewer tragedies would happen you know if they had god mode if they had god mode it's also a scary thought right we like don't necessarily yeah. want them to have god mode but double edged sword there yeah i mean you could imagine also there being like a lot of false alarms distracting them from real emergencies but but yeah there you, i could imagine that being very effective too yeah, I also, uh, I really like the Tover Great, like Billy Bauer. I just like the name Billy Bauer. It's a very It sounded, satisfying... it made me think of the dude who makes the t-shirts. Who? Wasn't there like, isn't there a brand for like rednecks who are trying to look oh, cool? Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but I hit this, so that, that word, like that, that phrase, Billy Bauer, coming out of uh, Andrew Scott's mouth with his like, slight irish brogue or whatever it is awesome awesome to me <laughs> that was worth the episode alone i like him we were talking about how good of an actor he is he is a great actor i also just like hearing him say words he has a really good his accent combination whatever the heck it is i think it's irish uh is well so we've gone for a little over an hour and i have to drop off in a little bit to write the newsletter do we want to talk a little bit about striking vipers and the the big surprises yes. there i'm gonna plot it out so Striking Vipers is um, an episode about these two roommates in college and one of them has this girlfriend and they have this great, very passionate sex life. And then you fast forward 11 years and that couple has a kid now and lives like a relatively boring suburban life. And the old roommate comes by and says, hey, I got you our old game that we used to play together, Striking Vipers, but I got it in VR. And so that night they they play online in this game and it's like a fully immersive experience. Like all the sensations are real, etc. And as they're fighting, it's like kind of like a mortal combat, right? That's the game that it's supposed to be mimicking. Yeah. Yeah. Or like Street that. fighter or whatever. Um, and they're fighting and it turns sensual and they, they kiss <laughs> and they fall into this weird pattern of these two straight best friends going into this game to have sex and it's just very very uncomfortable and weird and like the feelings that i had watching this episode were just like what am i looking at this is crazy um and eventually the wife realizes that the husband doesn't want to have sex with her anymore and they both come become like really overwhelmed with their sexual relationship uh, they try to put an end to it and it's just a freaking intense and weird. What, I mean, what did you guys think about this? I also felt very uncomfortable in a way that I was trying to get, put my finger on of like, I hope it's, I don't think it's just cause it's like a, you know, sort of a gay relationship, but it was this weird, it, it is this relationship that is on the one level, like 
between two friends and then also between a male and female character, but also between these two guys. And I think my head sort of just got like tied into a knot trying to understand what was going on and in a way that was very interesting and made me uh, uncomfortable in a way that, that I think was probably what they were going for. Yeah. It was a lot of layers to, to potentially <laughs> like screw with your brain. Yeah. Right. Cause it's like, okay, they're buddies in real life. He has a wife. The other guy's kind of like a, a playboy or whatever. And then they've been doing this game since they were young. And so they have this uh, this ongoing connection there. And then in it, they always select these characters and always have selected these characters, right? And then in the modern instantiation, you can fully inhabit the characters. And for some reason, <laughs> the game developers have also made it possible to just totally fuck in the game, <laughs> which... Well, and to experience sexual pleasure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, which is not normally how you design games. <laughs> like, <laughs> you don't go like, oh yeah, we're, we're building a fighter game, but like, let's just make them fully realize humans too that can experience uh, sexual pleasure. <laughs> and, and what, or it actually seems pretty narrow. It seems like it's just sexual pleasure that they can also do on top of the, the fighting. Yeah, like I wonder if like they could have also found like a great place to eat and like experience like, you know like delicious food or like i mean i mean they didn't go into a lot of detail on what is what is and is not possible in this game but i think but but they sketched out some things where they were like but like this is a linear stage like it it it, they they did some things where they they made it seem like okay it has the set it has some dimensionality but it's really a straight line as you're used to out of a fighting game um in some of the stuff they did with set dress like it's got a beginning and an end very yeah, yeah, it's like it's it spans this bound. There's there are opportunities to expand or like go to secondary stages, just like you have with fighters by breaking through parts of the environment. But there's a back to it. it they have one part where there's like a sign, the game over sign, is hanging in air. It's just hanging in the air though, so it's not necessarily like hanging off like a like a solid wall or anything. No, no, no. But the, like they don't really leave that plane. That I don't know. It's 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 crazy. I I really like that part of it. I like that where I was like, oh wow, they put. It seems like somebody put a lot of thought into like what are the rules and boundaries of this world. Um, but then it felt more to me like they exist in a three dimensional space, but that it was still based on this game that was a two-dimensional space so you could still see the roots in it and it's still shot in this way but that you could also but that ultimately was three-dimensional yeah that's that's possible too so it just re like that it's more about the camera rather than the actual constraints of the space yeah because i don't like i feel like they i mean i'm sure they could only go so far like eventually they walk to an end of a road and it's the end of the road but i don't know i feel like there was a conversation at one point where it was like let's take a walk in this one map or something. Um, but let's get back to the discomfort. I can say for certain that I wasn't made uncomfortable by the fact that it was two men. That doesn't really freak me out. Yeah. What was weird about it was that there were two best friends that he was cheating on his wife, or at least it, you know, to me that I feel like that pretty much counts as cheating. Um, and, you know, and that they had this weird, like, <laughs> I think one of the bits that made me most uncomfortable is he was texting after they've been doing it for a while. One one of the guys is texting the other saying, like, I'm sorry, I can't play tonight. And then he, like, decides whether or not he wants to send, like, an X, like a little kiss symbol. 
Oh, yeah. But he like can't yeah, yeah. quite decide, and it's like they're in the real world, so like their their interactions in the real world were almost more uncomfortable than in the virtual world because those lines get a little bit blurred. Where it's like we're not bros anymore, but we're also not together. And them trying to kind of figure out why it is that the sex is so good in this virtual environment, and then also the bit where he's trying to explain what it's like to orgasm as a woman. You know, like all of that was just very odd to me. It was like, how are you even getting those feelings? I'm just so confused by this whole thing. But I liked that about it. I liked that it was so weird and tense and strange, you know? And I liked that then at the end, they do try to sit, they say, well, are we gay? Should we act on this? Let's try it out. Yeah. And and then they decided, no, it's it's not that. It's that something about this technology allows us to explore and express this, you know, some aspect of our sexuality that we just, that doesn't map, you know, like nor to, to sort of how we understand sexuality now. And I thought that was really interesting and that they didn't try to necessarily put a label on it or anything. It was just like, oh, there's this other aspect of ourselves that, that that's coming out in this game. Yeah, that, that was nice about the conclusion, right? Was that it kind of like settled into, this is a, it, it didn't, simplify anything it it like settled into the complexity and it was just like no that's, that's what it is now right like there's the video game sexuality is unusual like there's uh like the aspects of marriage that people don't love thinking about about like eventually the um, sex gets boring like that can't be what keeps yeah, you right. together you know what i mean like i i liked that it was grounded in that way because you have this really kind of far-fetched idea like vr isn't far-fetched but the idea that you know you go in these games and have vr sex i guess that's not really that far-fetched either but just very odd kind of weird situation where at the end of the day it's really about like passion right and like how people can kind of feel like they've settled a little bit and want that passion still they want that excitement and even on the wife's side you know she was trying to tell him like i turn down guys all the time I could get it wherever I wanted. And she liked the idea that that guy was flirting with her at the bar. You know what I mean? She wanted she wanted that passion too. Um, and I think that's a very like normal, relatable, realistic thing that has this weird twist on top of it, which is like, in my opinion, just so classic Black Mirror. You know, like real, very real things with this layer of bizarre tech on top. Yeah, the nice thing here is that it's not. Um, <clears throat> this isn't one of the nefarious ones, right? Like the the bizarre layer on top is not. There's no value judgment no. ascribed to like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think in some ways that that's sort of my least favorite kind of Black Mirror episode is the like let's show you a technology and then the episode is about how this technology brings out the worst in people or is just bad, um, versus I think the best Black Mirror episodes are are, are more complex than that or just more fun. And and so in, in so that way, like this felt like in it followed the Black Mirror formula kind of closely of just here's the technology, let's see how it plays out. But because the ramifications were so interesting, I really liked that. Yeah, and I liked the the sense at the end. I think they conveyed this. They they didn't have much time to do it, but that everyone was um content with the with the arrangement, right? Like no At one least w- for now. I'm not. I'm not right. sure that it's, it's sustainable. But it maybe might it not is, be you know? sustainable. But even like the, because um, uh, I think the one who stood the chance of being the least 
satisfied with this overall was the the friend right and then yeah. but he and he has that one day marked on his calendar <laughs> yeah he has the one day marked on his calendar but he didn't look like um unstable you know like the, i think they did a they did a careful job of making sure to like with the other shots and like having his cat in there and whatever and being like he's he's having a good time like he's just living his life and then this is part of his life now and it's not something where he's obsessive about it in a dangerous way or it's probably healthiest for everyone too, right? Like anytime, like the the idea of like something that you could become so addicted to, like when they were doing it on the regular, their lives were falling apart because they were just so addicted to it. You know what I mean? And particularly mm-hmm. the friend. Um, and like, that's not, you give him his way and that's not necessarily what's best for him as a person, right? Like that, any, everything in moderation. So I feel like that, was a really, I was really worried about this one. Like as we got further and further into it, I was like, oh my God, like everyone's going to end up with their life in shambles. You know what I mean? They're going to be in this weird virtual relationship where they don't actually want to be together in real life. And the friend's going to like melt down from his obsession and the wife's going to be abandoned. And like, I just, I only saw the worst possible outcome for this. And the fact that they did come up with a little, what Michael Scott would call a win-win-win um, was very, was good. I liked that. Um, any final thoughts about this episode or about season five of Black Mirror? I would say if you have anxiety issues or these kinds of televisions make you, these kind of shows make you feel upset or whatever, some people don't like watching Black Mirror because it makes them feel like shit. And I would say if you're one of those people, maybe take a chance on episodes one and three because I don't, I don't think it'll leave you with that same feeling that a lot of Black Mirror episodes do. Yeah, that's right. And even I don't even think two was like as gruesome. Yeah, I mean, I I think it was a sober kind of reflection on the state of social media, but I don't think it was like um, some of the other ones where you just have this like completely drained feeling after. The other side of that is that episode two is most likely to be something that you relate to that makes you really sad. Do you know what I mean? Like, (laughs) there's probably many, many people out there who have felt the way that that main character feels or have gone through an experience similar to him. Um, So that could bring you down. I I wanted to give a shout out to on episode um, one, but like that to the the actors who play the video game characters. Oh, Uh, yeah. Mm. Tom Clementia from the, I don't know how you say that name, but from uh, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy and Ludi Lin. Uh, is the guy there and they did a really really good job like it was like uh yeah it was seamless that that i believed like oh yeah these are characters that the other actors are inhabiting right like at no point was i like thinking about you know oh are these are these actors or whatever what's happening are these separate characters right like it was it was great and also Um, like it's worth mentioning that like actors have themselves said that like filming sex scenes is very like difficult, uncomfortable work. And um, the fact that that was essentially the majority of their work was like, was like doing these sex scenes. Like you got to applaud that, you know, like it was, that couldn't have been comfortable. I think it was like a big task they set themselves to. And I think they did an excellent job with it. And it wasn't just sexy for sexy's sake that you actually like felt their connection which i think is hard to do with as little screen time as they were given so overall 
Especially when you're remembering that it's the connection between two other characters. Two other straight best playing, friend guys. Yeah, it was like, that was a lot of <laughs> barriers to overcome that they did. So good on them for sure. All right. Well, um, before we wrap up, I will just remind our listeners that we have an email address where you can give us your feedback on Black Mirror or on the podcast. That is originalcontent at techcrunch.com. That's originalcontent at techcrunch.com. You can also leave us a review in Apple Podcasts. You can subscribe in Apple Podcasts or any other podcast app that you enjoy. And thank you for listening. And Jordan and Daryl, have a great weekend. You too. All right. Bye-bye. Bye, guys. Oh, 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 oh,